You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, zero tolerance began this morning in Toronto for unsafe and inconsiderate driving. The twin traffic blitzes uh, target distracted driving. In other words, using or looking at mobile devices while you are driving. And also it targeted drivers who stop illegally for any reason on a rush hour road and hold up the traffic. And you won't be able to get around it just by looking out when you see a police car, because this time plainclothes officers will be on streetcars, buses, and in tow trucks looking down on drivers who are breaking the law. The new penalties for distracted driving include a minimum $615 fine for a first offense if caught, and as much as a $1,000 fine and three demerit points. It's a $150 fine plus two to $300 to get your car out of the pound if it is towed for being inconsiderate and stopping in a no-stopping zone. So, does this appear to be enough? How's it going? With us here, sorry, Sergeant Brett Moore of Toronto Police Traffic Services, and welcome David Armstrong uh, with Parking Enforcement. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... How's it going so far, Brett? We're a few hours in, for sure. We uh, we we launched it last week with our uh, unit commander just across uh, just uh, down the the street from us here in studio and uh, Mayor Tory. They they launched that last week, letting everybody know that was coming. Here today it is. We've uh, we've uh, we've had some good success early on. Some feedback from the officers. A couple things. They really enjoy driving these alternate vehicles than regular police cars because they can really get up and and see what's going on with distracted drivers. Um, and unfortunately, we have caught a few already. So uh, at the end of the campaign, we'll summarize some of the uh, the information. But really, the message is um, this is a behavior. Right, people. It's a choice. You don't have to drive distracted. Put the devices away for crying out loud. Research is really clear. We know that it's a leading cause of crashes on our roads, and uh, it's really it's just dangerous. Okay, and uh, David Armstrong, uh, what have you found in terms of people just stopping in the no stopping zones during rush hour? Well, over the um, many years that we've been uh, enforcing rush hours and towing vehicles out of them, we still find that uh, people, as a matter of uh, convenience, will um, stop in the uh, rush hour routes and um, congest the uh, the roadways. Um, over the past three years, we've run um, five blitzes, and uh, we still f- find that in these uh, major thoroughfares, uh, obstructions, people on their cell phones pulling over, um, you know, running into coffee shops, um, you know, waiting 10 minutes to pick somebody up at the front of a major building, just unacceptable behaviors that uh, cost the city uh, an inordinate amount of impact and time and, and cost. And um, you're going to get a ticket in these rush hour routes now. We're not, uh, we're not discussing it with people. But, okay, so, but have you found, are fewer people doing it this morning because they know it's coming? Mm-hmm. 
I, I think the media releases do help um, when we do put these blitzes on. Um, historically, though, over uh, the last four years, uh, in 2015, we wrote 83,000 uh, rush hour tickets, towed about 17,000 vehicles. Uh, in 2016, 80,000 uh, parking tickets written in the rush hour, 17,000 tows again. Um, 2017, 73,000. Um, tickets written in the rush hour, about 16,000 tows. And in 2018, 71,000 uh, tickets and about 14,000 uh, tows. So there is some uh, reduction in the amount of events, tagging events and towing events. Um, but that is also because fines were increased dramatically over three to four years. So I think that that has had an impact on uh, well, it's, it's good news that it's gone down, but if, if you do the math on that, it's going to take another seven years of blitzes to, to change the behavior. Am I, is my math wrong? No, you're right. So we do these blitzes. Let's not make any mistake. Although we launched the, both distracted driving and tag and tow blitzes, officers are out from our parking enforcement daily on our rush hour routes, tagging and towing and, and, and that. So this isn't new. Same thing for distracted drivers. We're, Toronto Police uh, investigate over 10,000 instances of dr- distracted driving. And for every one that we give a ticket to, we know that there's way more that occur. We know that this is prolific in, in, in our roads, that folks uh, feel very, unfortunately, comfortable reaching down when they see or hear that phone go off and, and pick it up. Right or sneak a peek for the text or whatever it is, and it's really about we're trying to steer the message around. Uh, obviously, around the January first penalty increases, and so we're gonna we're leveraging that by launching this blitz to say enough to the point of the of the zero tolerance for our our partners at tagging and towing. We're doing the same thing with that's the instruction to our police officers, not just from traffic services. This is a citywide campaign, and so we know there's lots going on with police uh, officers are busy with their day to day. But the message to our officers, our frontline officers, is when you have, a, if there is time for enforcement, and you are, and you see an instance of that on the road, stop and and issue the ticket because we that that is a way to change behavior. Now, uh, I'm assuming your guys and women are in their little parking enforcement cars. They're they're not you know on buses and in tow trucks or anything like that, or are they? Well, actually, we, we deploy um, foot officers who work small, small, high-volume high areas. We have a number of bicycle officers, which are highly efficient. And, we, of course, we have vehicle officers. So we use three different methods. In the downtown core, um, foot officers and bicycle officers are very effective. Um, there's not a lot of uh, lost time. We can you know, get across a road. We can, we can get to things very quickly. Um, so it's very effective. And, and again, any sense of what the numbers are like this morning or how they compare? Would the first morning be the same as the first morning last year or more people stopped? How's it going? I think what we experienced this morning is very typical of a, of a morning rush hour. Um, our morning rush hours aren't as um, big a hotbed as our evening rush hours. Um, so um, we have more officers deployed in the evenings um, because, you know, the concentration in the city is much greater. Um, you've got a lot of uh, commercial vehicles and what have you. So um, we deploy um, approximately in the morning rush hours about 50 to 60 members dedicated to rush hours across the city. And in the evenings, it can be anywhere from 60 to 70. We, we bump it up. Uh, to deal with some of the issues. In the the PM rush hour, we have a lot more commercial vehicles that we have to deal I, with. Okay, yeah, I was going to say that. You know, there, there are some places where, like clockwork, they're congested to begin with, and suddenly there's a huge truck that decides 
that 5.30 is a really a, a perfect time to unload their load. Yeah. No, I can, I can, having done some work with the previous uh, tag and tow campaigns um, and a little bit with this one, I know that we're coordinating with our contract tow companies that are out there and we're making available larger uh, tow vehicles to get those large commercial trucks out of the routes as well as to speed up the turnaround that it takes once we get the first wave of, of vehicles towed off the rush hour routes to get them dropped off, to get the trucks back in, because ultimately that, yeah. it's, it's, that's how we move these vehicles yeah. off the roads, to get them in for the second wave of tows. So uh, it is a coordinated effort with our, uh, with our police contracts as well as the, uh, the officers from the various units. So it's, uh, but nothing speeds things up better. Then drivers changing behavior, well, and, and, and I'm stuck on that. And it sounds like so cliche sometimes, but and it sounds easy to do, but inevitably we've been here before, previous campaigns, and as soon as we step off and it comes out of the media spotlight and people are, it's not yeah. on top of mind. People do revert back to bad habits, and we know it, that's true. It's, it's not that it's not top of mind. You think, okay, phew, yeah, <laughs> dodge time. that one. Right. Now, now we can go back and we won't get caught. Yeah. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Jerry in Toronto. Hi, Jerry. Hi, uh, Levine, and good day. And a question for the uh, police sergeant. I have a real issue with his zero tolerance uh, involving rush hour routes when, as a taxi owner driver under Chapter 950 of the Toronto Municipal Code, I'm allowed to stop in a rush hour zone to pick up or drop off a passenger, yet the Toronto Police Services on numerous occasions are still ticketing our members. Why is that? Well, I can tell you you're right. Under the under the bylaw, the taxis do enjoy that exemption, uh, but it is for the, to finish the transaction. I can't speak to specific tickets. There's obviously um, uh, you know, there's some I guess remedies that you could do to uh, to, to fight that ticket. But um, the real message needs to be that although I although that exemption exists, we are still encouraging, given the fact that those bylaws were written some time ago, that that you would if you know, one of the cab operators would if if the opportunity presents itself, move a block away. Just turn around a corner onto a side street or alley. It, it, it's, we know that the front door is the most convenient for the customer and for the cab, but we know that that 10-minute stop or 15-minute stop that it takes to finish the transaction to load-unload cripples our rush hour routes, cripples traffic, and um, again, I can't speak to the ticket that, that, you're, that somebody got, but uh, we are still, although that exemption exists, encouraging folks to get off the rush hour routes to find oh, something else. To okay, do. wait, wait, wait. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. So hang on. Yeah. Thanks very much for your call, Jerry, because I'm, I want to clarify sure. this. And I actually see our next caller also has the same kind of a question about cabs. So mm-hmm. can cabs stop in a no-stopping during rush hour? Yes or no? Okay, so basically the way the bylaws laid out, uh, the um, the cabs do have an exemption while engaged in the pickup or drop-off only. So some of the experiences the parking officers have and why tickets are issued is, is you know, somebody could be coming down from the 20th floor, they could be there for 10 minutes blocking traffic. It's The bylaws exemption is while engaged. So if they're dropping somebody off from their back seat and they're paying, yes, in that case they would be. Um, if they're, But they can't be waiting. Right. Okay, the or, but they can the stop to drop their passenger yep. off, yes, or pick a passenger up. But the person needs to be—it has to be actively happening. It has to be engaged. Okay, um, and some of the other companies in that aren't cab companies. They have um, prepayment and stuff, so it's very quick. They're in and they're out. So I, I won't you use company like names. You mean like Uber? Yeah, yeah, per se. They're, they've already paid, they... so the people get out very quickly and they're gone. Okay, is Uber exempt? 
because you wouldn't be able to tell that that's a cab or not? As long as they're engaged, we're offering them the same exemption. But it, the, the, the key is engaged. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? yes, but okay, how would you tell the difference between somebody who's driving an Uber and somebody who's just some, uh, just a that, driver? That's the engagement as it happens with the individual parking officer right. or police officer with the situation. So they're, they're, if, if you can use a term of sense of urgency, we, we don't want folks, and we've, I know I've seen it, where it, it is just that. I'm just finishing whatever they're doing or I'm waiting for somebody they're just around the corner. None. So there has to be that sense of urgency of, of get in, get out, move on. It's just a stop and go. But we, it's, it's 10 minutes on rush hour routes is crippling. Uh, okay. Overall. So because, so, again, yep. when the Blitz was announced, I yep. thought anybody dropping people off or picking yep. them up is going to get a ticket. But you're saying as, as long as they're engaged in it, even if it's a regular driver, they won't be ticketed. No, the only exemption is is for the uh, the cab companies mm-hmm. and uh, people with um, accessibility situations and uh, wheeltrans, of course. But the general public, no, you have to make proper provision outside of the rush hour for pickup and, and okay. And but so I, I'm still confused. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm being yeah. a little dense here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you're saying you're not going to ticket an Uber driver, but uh, you know they look the same as a regular driver because they're not driving a special vehicle. Well, they don't look the same. They, um, they do have differences. It, it, part of their, the bylaws and regulations yeah. to drive these rideshare vehicles, Lyft, Uber, they have to have decals within, uh, visible uh, outside of the vehicle. So in the back window, front windows, those things, they, they have to be visible. So there, there's a distinction. Maybe in some cases, I'll be honest with you, there's more Ubers and Lyfts than there are cab companies, yeah. uh, cabs that are on the road. So they are very prevalent on the roads and people are very familiar with them. Um, but the, the real message that uh, uh, about the campaign when it comes to these these uh, uh, professional drivers, essentially, yeah. if you will, is that they do enjoy an exemption, but not to be abused. It is about that sense of urgency. Do your do your business, finish the transaction, but move on. And and where you need, if you need to wait 10, 15 minutes uh, as a cabbie or and waiting for your customer to come out, hook around the corner, get into a laneway, get onto a side street, and the, your customer may have to walk down to see you. It's a, it, it is, uh, it's a long-standing exemption that's there, um, but it is required, especially with, uh, um, with accessibility needs and whatnot, but uh, that is a bit of the judgment call that the individual officers make um, and have the authority to, if, this, if it's unreasonable, you're getting moved along. The, the priority really is to the rush hour routes. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, sometimes, especially if they don't have room to stop and they're kind of double parked, mm-hmm. stopping, like you think, well, you know, if you move forward 20 feet, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be blocking everybody. You're right. It is, it is that. I don't know. I guess it's, we're all creatures of habit. And I guess if you're a professional driver doing it all the time, um, putting in hundreds and hundreds of kilometers per day, you become a little maybe desensitized to some of the, the environment around you in terms of what you may be sort of traffic congestion you may be causing. So that's why we really appreciate the time uh, through, through our, you know, with the media and to get it out through social media about creating a sense of urgency on our roads, both for distractions. The urgency is put these devices down. Um, and, and, you know, for the first time we see fines have been uh, increased tremendously, demerit points, and for the first time ever in Ontario, license suspensions uh, upon conviction. So, Okay, let's take another call from Lewis in Toronto. Hi, Lewis. How are you, Libby? Fine, how are you? Great job. Thank Always you. Love, love listening to your, to your station. Thank you. My friend and I. So the question is, or what I'm, you know, like on Viewmount Avenue in Toronto, like there's a there's a synagogue there in the school where the the parents are parked 
on both sides of the street, which is part of, you know, goes in the Bathurst Street. Are they allowed to do that, to park along there and wait? Some are there 20, uh, maybe a half an hour waiting for their kids to come out of school, drinking coffee, texting, whatever they're doing, doing a crossword puzzle. Are they allowed to do that on the side street? Well, I would say this. Um, just uh, and I, I would let uh, Dave just follow up uh, on, on some of the more technical parts of it. But I'll, I'll say this: part of the responsibilities of traffic services that I look after is our school crossing guards. And I know that for the fifth, the few minutes in the morning, and, and sort of the morning bell time and the afternoon bell time, in some schools it's hectic to say the least. Pandemonium. Right. And, it's, and then it's gone. As soon as the bell rings, everybody's in, it's right, it goes right back to normal. So those behaviors that were described, again, um, are, are, are seen, they're felt, and where, where we have to land on is, is what's the signage for your school, right? And so we, again, most schools have prohibit, so, sort of prohibited actions during certain times, um, and it is that free-for-all. There's, all, there's not enough, uh, how many schools? There's got to be over 800 schools in the city, right? And so that you can imagine in these, in these neighborhoods. So uh, how, how chaotic it can be. And so that's why, again, behavior, right? And people know, the parents know, we always ask them, follow the signs. You might have to walk a block, maybe take your kid in, uh, walk, you know, park in a place that you can, and then walk in. Um, but everybody ultimately is fighting for that front row spot, right? They want that front access, get in, drop, per, drop off your child and go. Um, but I think you have to land on what do the signs say and, um, and take it from there. Okay, uh, right now I want to bring in Pete Karagiorgis from the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Hi, Pete. Libby. Okay, hi there. Um, I I just want to clarify something, because uh, one of the things that I hadn't heard before today, and I'm now hearing, is that if you are convicted for distracted driving, you will automatically not be renewed by your regular insurer when it comes up. Is that right? Well, insurance companies will look at a person's driving record. So what is the conviction that's been registered on your motor vehicle record? If it is dangerous driving, impaired driving, um, things along those lines that are deemed to be a serious conviction and anything that's a, a criminal code of Canada offense, it's a criminal code conviction, um, that would be... Uh, a charge that would see most insurance companies, if not all of them, drop a person and force you to go seek uh, coverage okay. uh, elsewhere. Uh, so, um, is it just just a minute? So, uh, Brett, is it a serious? What is the conviction registered for distracted driving? Well, serious in the sense that uh, we know that it's it's one of the leading contributing factors to crashes and injuries. So it's definitely a serious uh, offense that's being committed. We know now with uh, January 1st, it's up to 1000 bucks for a first offense, minimum 615 demerit points, and now you lose your license. Well, All serious. Well, okay. Uh, so what uh, Pete seems to be saying is that it isn't necessarily recorded as a serious offense. Yeah, no, we, uh, there is separation between insurance and police, and so the insurance uh, you know, makes the decisions about the customers that they have, but um, it, there, there's so many different offenses under the Highway Traffic Act uh, that, that are serious offenses, but I'm sure uh, aren't reflected in, 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 by definition in, okay, in the insurance industry. Okay, this, this is important then, Pete. So uh, what I'm taking from what you're saying is that, no, you will not necessarily not be renewed with a, a distracted driving conviction, because that's what we were hearing this morning. Correct. Correct. And uh, given the fact as well that 
this change that we saw come into force January 1st is, is still fairly new. Um, we will see again as time moves forward what we what the frequency is and, and how many you know charges you'll see of this sort. Um, typically, again, um, if it is a, an offense that insurer looks at as a, as a criminal code, part of the challenge we had last year was with cannabis and the impairment level there, and that being an impaired driving charge or conviction, if it's kind of conviction, it would qualify uh, the same way as, as a drunk uh, or driving under uh, the influence of alcohol. Um, it, that would be the same type of event. These may not yet register as tough a, a conviction on a person's driving record from insurance standpoint, and, and Sergeant Moore is correct. The, uh, the insurance uh, view and the law uh, and legal view are at times different, uh, uh, different things. Okay, because, uh, okay, this is what uh, I, I got some information from my broker, and he says uh, usually takes three or four, quote, minor tickets to get you pushed out of an insurance company. Well, it could be three or four minor convictions, uh, and again, just because you get a ticket, an insurance company, you know, whether it's a speeding ticket, you know, uh, failing to stop at a stop sign, um, depending on the amount of speeding, these are, are different degrees of um, road infractions, and so we have to look at the trend. If someone in a short period of time actually has a conviction. And so if you, you go to court and you, you fight the charge and you lose, it gets registered on your driving record. If you have those convictions show up, yeah, insurance companies are going to look at you and say, you are a high-risk driver. We don't want to insure you. Or if we do continue to insure you, you'll be surcharged, meaning you're going to have to pay um, a rate that's reflected of your higher risk compared to the general driving population. But some companies, and again, Companies can behave differently. There are many different insurance companies out there. They don't all respond the same way. Uh, some companies may look at you and say, one major conviction or one serious conviction, and we will do this, or uh, a certain number of minor convictions, and we will do this. So, Your broker uh, will have a better indication of what each company is doing, uh, but there is some uh, some leeway that companies have, but they do need still need to... Um, present what their underwriting criteria guideline is to the regulator in Ontario, and that's the Financial Services Commission. Okay, does, I mean, th- that sounds a little complicated again, so we don't know. You have to know how your particular company is viewing a distracted driving conviction, doesn't it? Wouldn't it make more sense to have them all agree? Well, what would make the most sense uh, is that people don't drive distracted. Well, Put yeah, okay. And focus on the roads. And so if a person does get a conviction and they uh, see their insurance company uh, on the renewal uh, taking note of that conviction and uh, either uh, non-renewing an individual, meaning they drop you and force you to go to what's called the high-risk pool, the facility association, yep. or increase your premiums accordingly, um, you know, the, the nice thing about having choice in Ontario with auto insurance is that you can shop around and companies will have different underwriting guidelines. Okay. Any any other advice you have for people on this, Pete? Well, again, you know, it's a simple message and we want to keep it simple. Don't drive distracted. Um, two hands on the wheel, all your, you know, uh, two eyes on the road, 
uh, focus on driving. Don't worry about your phone, you know, even even your GPS, uh, radio. There's so many distractions built into cars these days. Try and avoid that uh, because it is a challenge, especially in the city. Uh, focus on driving, and uh, you shouldn't have any problems then uh, with uh, with law enforcement or with your insurance company. Okay. All right. Pete Carra-Georges, thank you so much for that. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Libby. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, I'd have to say that's clear as mud. <laughs> um, we have to wrap this segment up. So, uh, Dave Armstrong, what would you like to leave us with on this? Well, I'd just like to... Um let everybody know it's been a priority of the Parking Enforcement Unit and the Toronto Police Service Traffic Services uh, for some time. We manage the rush hour. I think we do a very good job with the resources that we put to it. Um, it's not easy. Um, people um, we interact with you know, have uh, busy lives, but we have to ensure that the traffic congestion is removed. That's our job, and I think that... Um, our men and women on the job do an excellent job, and I think uh, we're taking initiatives currently to even improve on that with new technologies, and um, I think you'll see advancement coming in the very near future to make things even better. Okay. And Brett? Yeah, we're out. Uh, distracted driving enforcement happens every day, but uh, for this week, we are leveraging the the new legislation, the ability to get the message out through the media, and really just in, in uh, asking people to make a conscious decision. If you know that, that you're sort of prone to sneaking a peek at your phone, something's not working, right? So take advantage of this week to either invest in uh, to get you compliant, to be hands-free, or uh, if uh, we know these, there's addictive qualities to, to, to these uh, cell phones and devices, do something that's, you know, that eliminates that distraction from happening in the first place. So um, uh, that's, uh, we're going to be out uh, in, in all vehicles other than just regular police cars. You so expect to see us in pickup trucks, vans, minivans on our, our uh, streetcars and buses as well. So um, it, it just shows you that we have to up our game to, uh, to meet the need that, uh, of what's going on. Okay, and uh, everybody remember January is a pretty bad month for bills to begin with, so you don't need the extra. extra. Okay, thank you so much to Sergeant Brett Moore and Dave Armstrong. Great, thanks very much. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about this cabinet shuffle, which turned out to be a lot bigger and more interesting than we thought it would be. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740, and we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 